The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. Yes, it is true. The rains retreat, the official rains retreat has finished. But I'm in the privileged position because I did arrive a little bit late. I can also finish late. So even though, you know, <laughs> Victoria is now opening up and also the monastery, of course, is taking slow steps to safely open up and um, there's a bit more busyness and all that, but I can still hide away for a little bit longer there. <laughs> Just one thing that comes to mind because with the current situation now, everyone is talking about freedom and freedom day and freedom coming. And when you um, see the news, they talk about the road to freedom. So that was one of the kind of things that got stuck in my mind a little bit, that everyone is talking about the road to freedom. And I was just reflecting on that and asking a few people here at the monastery, what is the real road to freedom? And I was surprised that no one was able to give me an answer. So I'll give you a little bit of time to reflect. What is the road to freedom? The real road or the road to real freedom? And it is the Eightfold Path. That is the road to freedom the Buddha has given us. The road which leads to the understanding and the letting go of suffering. So what I usually do is I try to tie in the meditations with the Dhamma talks that I do give the day before. And yesterday we talked about the second Brahma Vihara, which I coined care. And we spoke about that this care is kindled because of suffering. And that's why I wanted to spend a little bit of time um, talking about this suffering and what it might be and why we should actually care. And I came across uh, one of those beautiful stories, um, Ajahn Chah, and usually Ajahn Brahm tells us he had like different times where there were certain similes that were circulating in the Dhamma talks and in the talks that he gave to the lay people. And one of those similes was the simile of the glass, which is already broken. And what I'm going to read out is actually an account which comes from Mark Epstein, uh, a psychologist in the US, and he happened to be visiting Thailand. And on that Thailand trip, uh, I think he was there with Ram Das, if I remember correctly, they went and uh, 
um, Joseph Goldstein or with some of the other um, quite prominent teachers over in the US. And he went to see Ajahn Chah and he describes the meeting and what happened during that meeting. So I wanted to read that out and reflect on it a little bit. Before saying a word, he, which is Ajahn Chah, motioned to a glass at his side. Do you see this glass? He asked us. I love this glass. It holds the water admirably. When the sun shines on it, it reflects the light beautifully. When I tap it, it has a lovely ring. Yet for me, this glass is already broken. When the wind knocks it over or my elbow knocks it off the shelf and it falls to the ground and shatters, I say, of course. But when I understand that this glass is already broken, every minute with it is precious. So caring, karuna, would be kindled by suffering. But I would like to encourage you tonight also to realize that it doesn't just have to be kindled by an obvious, clear, um, very visceral, something you feel that it actually is suffering. It can also be triggered and kindled by the understanding that there is an inherent suffering there all the time. And that is this beautiful simile that Ajahn Chah gives here, saying that the crack and the breaking is the suffering, but the understanding that it's already there is the understanding that that suffering is inherently already there. And then the other thing I really, really like about um, this simile Ajahn Chah has given, and especially how it is phrased in um, this account from Mark Epstein, is the exclamation there of, of course. I don't know um, how, you know, Ajahn Chah said it in Thai and how it was translated in this way, but of course, really struck me when I heard Mark Epstein mention it the first time and then when I found um, uh, this account that is in one of his books. So is it possible, first of all, to understand that suffering is always inherently there? And then secondly, that when the suffering actually shows itself, to have the reaction of, of course, and then maybe thirdly also, because we are reflecting on this, if we are in a state where suffering is inherently there, but not actually visible, that that can translate into gratitude, into realizing how precious something is, and also translate into caring for all the things that we do have. So that that crack, which is there, doesn't open up 
so easily and so quickly, or if it does, that it still can be mended and maintained in to a certain extent without too much distress with understanding. So that is the first kind of thing that I wanted to mention. And then the other thing I promised during the talk yesterday was that we will try and use the acronym CARE that I spoke about uh, during my talk yesterday and integrate that in the guided meditation. That's something I've never done before. So I'm as interested like you hopefully are how that is actually going to go. So I haven't really prepared this in that sense. But let's just go through the acronym once more. So you have a bit of preparation and understanding before we launch into the meditation. So I'm using the four letters of the word care, C, A, R, and E, to describe the process, how we can care. So we now understand why we should care. And now uh, let's see how that can be achieved. So the C stands for courage and for connection. So we get in touch with suffering or with whatever is happening in the present moment. So it doesn't have to be suffering. <laughs> it can also be joy or happiness that is happening in, in the meditation. And it's also important to have enough courage to face that. Sometimes it's even harder to face those beautiful things because we have this understanding deep within us somewhere this wrong understanding that we think we don't deserve. So it takes courage to connect with the difficult things, but it also takes a lot of courage to really, really deeply connect with the beautiful things as well. So courage and connection. And as I was describing in the talk, if it's something difficult, we just kind of reverberate with it. We tune into it. We don't become it. We don't burden ourselves down with it. We just get in touch. And one other simile that came to mind, which is very, very nice, it's a little bit like with rain. So if it's a nice, you know, summer rain, I remember as children when the summer rain came, we would run outside and just fool around or dance in the rain and actually, yeah, expose ourselves to the rain and really get drenched and uh, it, was, it was okay. So if that is possible and if that is something you can do joyfully and playfully, wonderful. But if it's more like a storm, then it actually does make sense to shelter from that storm as well. So I'm not encouraging you to you know, jump right into suffering, into really, really difficult suffering that might actually be overwhelming. But we still want to stay in touch. We still want to behold that suffering. We still want to witness it and be present to it. But from a sheltered position and where that shelter is and how far you remove yourself from that suffering that might be arising. That's something you have to figure out for yourself and feel your way into it to see, you know, 
you can go a couple of steps towards the rain or then away from the rain depending on how it behaves itself so you can be watching a storm or um, you know even a thunderstorm i remember again as a kid watching thunderstorms from inside the building and really mesmerized by the whole thing but from the safety of the house and the glass which is between you and that storm but you're still you're still in touch you're still tuning into what is happening there or if you are outside and you are not like the child dancing in the rain you're outside with an umbrella or you're outside with a raincoat or with whatever it, it, it might be to protect you a little bit there and that kind of talks about the resources and the reassurance that is very important in this acronym again as well so that's the r resources and reassurance so make sure that even though you're in touch even though you have courage and connection you still feel safe you still feel you have enough resources and you have safety and the reassurance that is there at the same time so you might have seen I've jumped one of the letters because it just happened through how I was talking now. So that was the C and the R. And in between is the A. And that is the acknowledgement and the accepting. So that we don't deny, that we don't push away, that we don't try to run away, that we acknowledge what is actually there, that we know and see, yes, there is rain, yes, there is a storm, and that we accept it that we are fine with it that we are okay with it that we can say of course there is suffering there is inherent suffering and there is obvious and felt suffering at times and that is normal that is okay and it belongs we don't have to push it away or push it out and then the last part of care the e once we've gone through these steps then we will realize that from the r as well from the resources and the reassurance there will come a relaxation and the energies they will start to flow together and build up instead of being scattered or put into the wrong places they start to to merge they start to flow together and energy is released or as i said during the talk you know sometimes energy is kind of blocked that comes through these things to us and through the way we react to them and then that energy can start to become freed and that is what happens in meditation very often as well if we go through these steps if we observe and we relax very deeply that's when energy becomes freed and that is what empowers us as well in our meditation to be able to sit with be with hold these things um, no matter what they might be to kind of yeah merge with these things to let them flow by us through us to let them come and to let them go okay so i hope that is enough as a little bit of an introduction here 
So the acronym that we are trying to use tonight is the acronym CARE. C stands for courage and connection. A stands for acknowledgement and accepting. R stands for resources and reassurance. And the E stands for energy and um, em empowerment. Right. Okay, so let's let's go for it. If you haven't already um, found a comfortable position or a, a nice spot to sit in, please, now is the time to do so. If you are listening to this on YouTube, later down the track, you can even just um, yes, switch me off for a little while and go and search for a place or uh, find a suitable time if the time now is, is not that suitable. So you really can give yourself fully to this process of meditation. And it helps if things from the outside are not in intruding or disturbing at that time. Right, if you've done so, then I encourage you to first spend a little bit of time with your body to bring it in a comfortable position, whatever that might be on the floor, on a cushion, on a mat, on a stool, on a chair, on a sofa, on a bed. Standing, lying down, sitting. And then once you have settled in a little bit, found your ground, then I ask you, I invite you to be courageous. To be courageous enough to let go all the things that are not happening right now, all the things that don't really matter. that have either passed or that have not come yet. And to face, to connect with, to tap into, to touch, to embrace even what is happening right now. No matter if it is pleasant or unpleasant, actually if we can just without judging at all, just beholding whatever is. And starting to connect with courage to this body of ours. Kindly turning towards, dropping into 
the physical sensations. For the body as a whole, or just for certain areas of your body, let your awareness be guided by what is happening right now. Trying to do this as non-judgmentally as possible. In a caring way. Just witnessing, acknowledging, and deeply accepting whatever you might find right now. Whatever you might feel right now. And doing it in a resourceful manner. And in a manner that you feel safe. That you, the observer, so to speak, feel safe. But also Imagining that you are making all those feelings and sensations make welcome and feel safe. Feel, let them feel that they belong. that they are okay. So whatever you might meet, you can just internally say, oh, okay. Or as Ajahn Chah said, of course. Certainly. But in order to make things feel safe, feel accepted, see if you can do anything to care. which will make these things that appear feel more relaxed.
more accepted, more heard, more seen and connected to. If that means wiggling, scratching, or moving a little bit, please do so. That is part of accepting, but at the same time being kind. Responding in a kind way. And if that response is really caring and kind, then the energies will start to flow naturally. Any blocked energies that might be around will become unblocked, will be able to flow freely. Flow joyfully. And empower you. to just be. So feel free to work in this way with any areas, any parts of the body that crop up in the present moment, soothing them, relaxing them. And if nothing specific comes up, you can just sweep through the body from the top of your head, sweeping, sweeping, scanning down through the whole body. Connecting, caring, Accepting, reassuring, and having the energies 
flow freely. And the more you care in the right way, the more the body starts to feel quite nice, relaxed, and at ease. The more caring attention you can share with your body, bathe your body in, or embrace your body with, the more it will gradually naturally fade into the background. Kindness, caring, acceptance, takes the busyness and the business out of the equation. It slows the movement the momentum of all the worldly things. 
as we slowly turn and transition more towards the mental world, the emotions, the thoughts, the attitudes in the mind, the moods. Gently, gently connecting. Courageously to the extent we can. But from a safe distance. With lots of acceptance. but also deeply relaxed. Reassured that we are okay. That those feelings, thoughts, emotions and moods are okay whatever there might be, that they're welcome, that they belong. That they too can be embraced. that they too can be released. Into joyful, bubbly energy. And empowerment by not feeling separated out or apart but by feeling as a whole Feeling accepted and cared for. Even if it might be boredom or distraction. If they're happening in the background without our knowledge, they might be a problem, but if we connect with them, if we care for them, if we acknowledge them, 
if we love them. We reassure them that they are okay. Then they too add to the energy and empowerment of not doing anything. of being poised of being still but at the same time powerful And as the mind becomes more and more subtle, it can connect with more subtle things. And it has the courage to not interfere. Accepting the breath, the movement of the air going in and out as it is. No demands, no agendas. No strain, just flow of energy. In this safe and reassuring space. The air freely moving. The energy freely circulating. I'll let you meditate by yourself for a while now. Meditating, being 
with care. Carefully. Kindly.
everything is going smoothly, wonderful. If you think it's not going so smoothly, and the energies are somehow blocked, stuck, see if you can care. Care enough to smoothen things out. Free the stock energy and let it flow naturally.
whatever might be happening, can we care? Can we whisper, okay? Or, of course.
And as we are approaching the end of this guided meditation practice, meditating with care, let's reflect how much courage and connection we could feel muster with whatever was happening in the present moment. Sensations, thoughts, the breath, stillness, Could we acknowledge what was there without judgment? Could we accept deeply whatever was arising? Did we have the resources that we needed? The reassurance to do this in a safe way, in a way that we felt safe and protected. But still in touch not disconnected. And did we feel the energy stuck energy being released? And do we or did we feel empowered by this process of caring in meditation? And again, without judgment, just seeing what is there, seeing and feeling what comes up, caring and learning. Suffering is inevitable in life. We all suffer at times. And there's always suffering inherently present. 
so we can't escape. But the question is, do we learn from it? Do we understand? Do we care? And can we transcend, transform? the bitter into the sweet, as they say. Walk the real road to real freedom. Okay, I'll be ringing the bell three times for you to slowly, carefully make your way out of meditation. I don't know how that sounded for you on your end, but here on my end, it almost sounded a little bit jarring, so sorry. <laughs> but can we care for that? Can we say it's okay? Can we say, of course? All right, so let's see if there are any questions. Landon. Thank you so much, Bhante. Uh, it turned out that the CARE acronym was a very, uh, very useful and flexible framework for the guided meditation, I thought. <laughs> uh, we have no questions at this time from the online um, audience who have joined us so far. They may okay. still be sitting just quietly for the moment. Sure, sure. Um, I thought I might just ask a question while people gather their thoughts. <laughs> or don't gather their thoughts. Or don't gather their thoughts. <laughs> okay, as well. But yes, you have something you would like to ask. Please go for oh, it. Oh, I just thought. So could you, um, one of the interesting acronyms that, uh, uh, the, the words that came out of the acronym, which we don't always associate with, Meditation is energy because I think yes. a lot of people tend to think of relax, relaxation and therefore um, a lowering of energy and a lowering of the energy state. Yes. Could you say a little bit more, uh, just talk a little bit more how energy comes into the meditation experience? Thank you, yeah. Bhante. So that is actually one very important part of meditation because if we only relax, then we fall asleep. <laughs> That's what happens when we lie in bed and we don't lay awake. 
but we are able to calm the body, relax the body, calm the thoughts, relax the thoughts, then we drift off into La La Land. <laughs> so in meditation, we are bringing relaxation together with what people sometimes call focus. But even just using the word focus is so often um, kind of connected in our minds to effort. And effort is, is doing. <laughs> and that just doesn't gel with the relaxation part. So if we can see that other part as energy that becomes freed, energy that flows together and then the focus that arises is a focus of wakefulness it's the waking up and waking up is a very energetic very joyful state of mind and that is one of the essential parts of meditation to have which has to come in to the equation there to be able to lead to those very still but very very powerful mind states and uh, i think yeah energy is one of those nice words and terms that that can be used but from you know listening to Ajahn Brahm he he would he would always describe it in in that way that the energy the the oomph and the wakefulness is well yeah what what the aim is so to speak of meditation but it is a freed energy and when the relaxation is not there, when the force is there, then that energy is blocked and can't actually really flow. So, so those two, two kind of things coming together. And when I talk about this um, in front of an audience, we don't have a picture now. I very often do use the two palms of my hands that come together to form what we call the Anjali, the um, mudra or the sign of, of respect. So those two things, the relaxation and the wakefulness and energy coming together and touching and focusing and bringing the mind to one-pointedness that we often talk about like the tips of the fingers coming together and that one pointedness that is what becomes that focal focal point full of energy but at the same time full of relaxation full of letting go full of allowing and just being so it is actually one of those concepts that might be very difficult 
um, to compare with anything else in the world. I mean, as I'm speaking, maybe now, you know, if there is actors or dancers or sports people out there or whatever. So if they are after achieving a flow state, they will know that that state can only be reached when there is deep relaxation at the same time as there is a lot of energy that becomes freed. Anyway, that was just kind of what <laughs> came to mind when I was talking about it. Thank uh, you, Mante. Yep. Do we have any thoughts that have moved in the meantime? <laughs> we have. There are some okay. thoughts generated out there at the moment. We have three questions at the moment, right. Bante. Um, the first one, I've asked for a clarification on one of the words, but I'll read out the question. Uh, it is, any advice on what to do when an attitude of curing comes up instead of caring, as you yeah. put it. Yes, that was um, what I mentioned in the talk yesterday. And that is actually, uh, uh, again, from Ajahn Ram, from my teacher, I've been brainwashed in that way. And uh, the story comes from a doctor who lost a patient and was so distraught and thought, you know, I'm, I can't do this job any longer because I couldn't cure my patient. And he came to see Ajahn Brahm and Ajahn Brahm explained to him that his job is to care. His job is not to cure. So if we are in this kind of cure um, state of mind attitude, then we're trying to fix things, fix things. Then we're trying to manipulate things. And that's just not how meditation works. That's just not how we can allow the mind to go where it goes naturally. We are pulling or, or pushing it. We are directing it. We are managing it. And that's very normal because that's how we were taught. That's how our world tells us how success is achieved. But again, as I was talking about sports and sports people being really, really successful. So there is people out there <laughs> like George Mugford, I think his name is, who was um, teaching uh, uh, Michael Jordan and lots of, you know, the Lakers and so forth and lots of sports teams. And he's a meditation teacher and he, he brings this meditation teaching into the world of sports and actually tells people how real success happens. Success happens when we are relaxed, when we enjoy, when we are playful, when we are at ease. But it takes courage. It definitely does take courage. But all we can do is just experiment. Do those guided meditations. Try and let go as much as we can. Try to understand and get our heads and our hearts around these concepts of what I tried to describe today, you know, the, the caring, what that means, and then see what happens. And learn from the experience. 
uh, let that inform your practice in the future because it's not something you can really figure out with your mind i mean i'm trying you know to bring up examples and explain it in a way that uh, even the intellectual mind kind of goes like hmm yeah okay that makes sense why don't i you know try <laughs> but it's like i came i used to say it's you you put your little toe into the bath water to kind of test how it feels and if you do that and it feels okay, you're willing to put more of your body into that water. And the more of the body you put into that nice, warm, relaxing water, the more you can get immersed in those, in those states and in an understanding what they actually mean. And that will encourage you along the way. So again, even here, we don't try to push and pull and convince and conjole or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the word now, uh, when people are trying to control people into something. Uh, so it's something which, which happens more and more naturally. And the more you feel at ease with the process, the more willing you are to trust and relax and be reassured that it is okay. That is, of course, <laughs> these, these kind of words somehow got stuck in my mind. Okay, we have a few more questions to go through. I hope that's um, helpful. Thank you, Bhante. The next three questions are not directly related to meditation practice per se. Right. Let's see. Uh, you still happy to answer them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Have a bit of time. Let's see if we can somehow, you know weave a bit of meditation in there. <laughs> All right. I'll start with the one from Bhavani, who, because this relates to the topic of your current um, talks, yep. uh, the Brahma Viharas. Um, her question is, um, according to Buddhism, what is meant by brain, mind, and heart? Cool. While practicing Brahma Viharas, is mind or heart or brain used? Mm-hmm. So I'm not a Pali expert, but um, definitely the word chitta, which is used a lot in the suttas or man, mana, are um, the words which describe the mind, like the you know thinking process, if you want to call it like that. But I've never really heard the word brain used in Buddhism in that sense. I mean, you know, we sometimes talk about the, the 30, 31 or 32 parts of the body and the, in one of the enumeration in the Visuddhimagga, I think it is, that they do talk about the brain, but that is actually when we talk about different body parts and contemplate the body parts. So I, I think we're quite, quite safe to say, at least from my knowledge, that we can kind of exclude the, the brain thing, that's a science thing, that we talk about now very often and that everything is happening in the brain, but the Buddhism doesn't, Buddhism doesn't really see it from that way. It's the, the mind is something which is much, much larger. So the body and the brain would be in the mind rather than the mind being in the brain or in the body somewhere. And then with the word chitta, um, it is actually translated very often um, according to what kind of makes sense in the context, but the words mind 
and the word heart are, to my knowledge, almost used interchangeably. And uh, I quite like that as well, because in the Western understanding, as far as I kind of know, if we talk about the brain, it's, you know, just thoughts and, and, and physical stuff kind of happening. And when we talk about mind and have the word heart in it, it's much more connected to to emotions and feelings and, and the mental world, really. And I do feel that's much, much more what we are talking about in, uh, in Buddhism there. So that's, yeah, what I have to offer to this one. Thank you. Uh, our next question is a broader again, it is how do we remain at peace mm. when being misunderstood and misrepresented by others? Thank mm. you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you might be familiar with uh, the eight worldly winds um, that the Buddha has described. There's kind of like positive aspects and negative aspects in the world that keep happening. And uh, one of them is that you have like good repute and that you have a bad repute. So uh, I guess that kind of falls into that category that you are understood or misunderstood. And um, the Buddha there just says, look, these are the worldly conditions. These are things that exist in this world, like suffering exists in this world. So the first thing is, again, <laughs> Ajahn Chah's phrase here, as it was translated, of course, that's what happens. Everybody <laughs> on this globe, if they live long enough, or even if they don't, if they're a small baby, they will be misunderstood. The baby will be crying and the parents will be thinking, oh my goodness, what's wrong? <laughs> and they will be going through a long list, you know, is it this or is it that? And if the baby could speak, it would say, no, 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 I'm cold, I'm not thirsty. <laughs> Or whatever it is so it is one of those things that will happen and that we just kind of have to have to take as a matter of course but the important thing is always how do we relate to this how do we go about this and uh, one thing of course is nice if we can explain ourselves if we can make the other party um, understand uh, what's going on and kind of um, right the wrong in that in that sense that is that is beautiful to find a mutual understanding again and to communicate um, you know what we felt we were saying or what we felt we were doing and that we feel it was received in the wrong way or misunderstood but then the other thing that we also learn in Buddhism is that sometimes that's not possible um, whatever, we can't communicate with, with that person, the person is gone, the situation is gone, or there is no willingness on the other end to actually connect and, you know, have a mutual understanding, have a discussion, whatever. Then it's very, very important that we, um, what I will be talking about <laughs> later down the track, that we have equanimity, that we have an understanding of karma and that we have our own actions that we have responsibility for and that the people out there have a responsibility for their actions. So even though we might be misunderstood, that we don't get caught up in unwholesome uh, behavior, in unwholesome actions ourselves, so that we carry on doing the right thing. Um, speaking up for 
the, the right cause behaving in the right way because then if we do switch then the misunderstanding which might have been a misunderstanding kind of grows into something where there might actually be some grounds for the other person to say hey this is not quite right <laughs> so try try carry on doing the right thing so misunderstanding was one word what was the other word in the question uh, Langdon it was being misrepresented by others represented yeah mm. and that that actually ties into that as well there is this story with with the buddha where they try to um you know um, destroy his reputation and they send a, a lady to the monastery late at night and um, then uh, like for a couple of days and then she was i don't think it was a pillow but they put some wood under her belly or something and then they were accusing the monks of you know uh, making her pregnant and and all this and then um, as the story goes the monks went up to the buddha and said hey we're being misrepresented and this is not right and we should rah, 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 and you know and all that and the buddha told them please be patient please be understanding and for seven days do the right thing and it will be all right i think it was seven days but seven is sometimes this kind of magical number and then apparently after those seven days uh, uh, and them behaving in the right way not doing anything wrong um, somehow that wooden thing fell out <laughs> under the, the lady's um, and dress and it was all uncovered and it all became clear so very often you don't actually have to do much apart from not getting caught up and not doing the wrong thing and then these things very often settle by themselves yeah so that actually fitted good what else is there thank you bante um the last question is uh, on a very hot topic of the moment oh um, and so I don't know if you want to weigh into this one as our last question, but let's see how but you go. Well, you read that. I can always say, oops, it's time up. Time's up. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry. Run out of time. Uh, when we take antibiotics to prevent mm -hmm. bacterial infection, yes. does this affect our first precept? Right. Yes. Yeah, that is one of the tricky questions that comes up in many different, you know, aspects. And um, if we were James... Uh, from my understanding, my limited understanding, they're really, really, really trying to be non-harming to such an extent that they, you know, cover their mouths, that they wouldn't breathe thing, uh, things in, that they sweep the floor, that they would never step on anything. And um, it's a very, very um, high um, ideal and intention, which is beautiful. But now we do live in this world and breathing and living and eating and walking and driving and all these things that we do actually cause harm in a way so we are trying to minimize the harm but we can't you know uh, not have any harm happen whatsoever and it's the same thing with our bodies with our pets for example you know we had a cat in the monastery at some stage that someone dumped there and um, the cat was getting ticks and then you know do you apply something on the cat to save it from the ticks or again here do you take a medicine or something to um, get rid of some things that would kill you which would kill the host if you don't use them and then out of compassion you do 
um, for that one being to maintain it, to make sure it's alive and then hopefully with the intention also to know this is a vehicle and we're trying to use this vehicle of this body to do um, wholesome Dhamma work, um, then we do care for this being. One other thing that might be of interest to you in Buddhism when we talk about the first precept, uh, Panatipata, it literally means what has breath. It means it's a living, breathing being. And also in the Vinaya, when we talk about um, these things for monastics, breaking those rules, um, very often um, one of the, uh, what is it? Um, one of the, what is it called? Uh, to distinguish if a, this precept has been broken or hasn't been broken is also the visibility of these kind of things. So when monastics are, for, for example, using water and they pour it away in a place where living beings would die that are in the water, if they can't be seen, then we can't have the intention to kill them and then we can't have uh, broken that precept. So in those sense, uh, in, the, in that sense, you wouldn't be breaking those precepts either because is, is a bacteria a living um, organism there? Definitely it's not breathing. Uh, as far as we know, it's, it's, it's not a sentient being that is feeling. But uh, yeah, uh, it's one of those more kind of tricky, tricky questions. But um, I would say, don't worry about it. Um, you are doing this to maintain your own body. You're not doing this with the intention to kill as many uh, uh, bugs or whatever it is. <laughs> you are doing this to maintain your health and uh, to be hopefully able also to be of some service. Um, in this uh, body, which is the vehicle of ours. Okay, very good. And it is nine o'clock. <laughs> yes, well, well timed, Bhante. Thank you so much for tonight's guided meditation and your answers. Okay, thank you, everybody. And uh, if you have been listening here in Victoria, uh, good night. And if you're listening anywhere else, um, have a good day or uh, whatever it is. <laughs>